Peach Pundit the Podcast is a conversation filled with the personal opinions of the people who are participating. Any view or opinion expressed belongs only to the person who expressed it and not with anyone with whom that person is professionally affiliated. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Peach Pun of the Podcast. I'm Jason Pye, joined by Buzz Brockway and Scott Elizabeth Turner. Guys, it's good to see you. So I notice when I'm not here, Buzz gets the Elizabeth middle name. What is your what is your thing with the middle name Elizabeth? Why are you, why must you give all of your friends the middle name Elizabeth? Yeah, it's really funny. So one day I, I called I called Emily's brother Nick. Uh, I called him Nicholas Elizabeth and then his last name. And then Reagan uh, started started calling me Jason Ann Marie Pie. Now, keep it, keep it, keep in mind, she's seven. Uh, yeah. So it was really funny to hear her say that back. Lately, she's been calling me by my actual middle name. But uh, anyway, that's not Which the topic is... of uh, I'm not saying that. Uh, so uh, Cosmo, uh, maybe oh, Cosmo Kramer or something. No, no, no. Uh, so anyway. But... Hussein? Is it Jason Hussein Pie? <laughs> yes, you've you've nailed it. Uh, my my Muslim uh, Middle Eastern background. Uh you know, uh, actually, it's Jesus. It's Jason Jesus Pie. Not, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Or Jesus. No. <laughs> no, not that there's anything wrong with that. Anyway, uh, anyway, welcome, folks, to the Peach Fund the Podcast, or as I like to call it, Scott Turner's House of Horrors. Um, <laughs> yes. Speaking of, speaking of houses of horrors, Scott, uh, Scott, apparently in his neighborhood this morning, uh, there was a bear, and I'm not using that as a description of a gay man. There was a bearded gay man. There was actually a bear in Scott's neighborhood. So oh, Scott, I'm Scott, so glad we are not doing the live reads right away this week. Jeezel Pete, man. To our listeners, listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Jeezel Pete. Uh yeah. There's a bear. It's a cute story about a bear. And here's Jason, wrecking ball style, just destroying the whole thing. Uh, much like, I guess, he's getting me back for the Albert the Alligator tattoo comments, I, I suppose. So, that being said, yes, there's a bear in Holly Springs, Georgia, and he was showed up at the police department. They posted a picture at in the police department parking lot of him next to the dumpster. So this bear has learned already in its young life, trash is where it's at. It was trash day in my neighborhood today, and... The ring cameras went off throughout the neighborhood because he was going garbage can to garbage can saying, hey, boo-boo, look at the picnic basket. Yeah, making a good time out of it. Oh, my God, please don't ever do that again. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, so Uh, I have named named the bear Mayor Steve after Mayor Steve Miller of Holly Springs because he is now the most popular thing in Holly Springs. So he's now the mayor. Mayor Steve, the bear. Uh, okay, on that note, uh, <laughs> Scott, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about one of our sponsors before we move into our litany of of, of content for the week. Uh, yeah, so next week, our friends at Leasix Media are actually launching a first-of-its-kind mastermind that every candidate, campaign manager, consultant... They've all been screaming for this. Make sure you tune in next week because we're told that this program will be literally a game changer that helps good people start changing the world for the better through their campaigns. And here's the best part. It's a fraction of what it would cost to get yelled at by a political consultant paying their retainer. Spots will be limited and the buzz is real. Miss it and you'll miss out on the secret sauce of dominating your next election. Make sure you come back hear from us next week about our friends over at Leasix Media who are a partner level Patreon to the Peach Funded Podcast. I think because the buzz is real, Buzz should read the live read next next week because <laughs> in, in, indeed, indeed the buzz is real. The buzz is real, yes. Uh, so uh, thank you to Leasix Media. And uh, so today was was Terry England's first day of school, so to speak. Well, uh, it, was, it was a couple days ago, but it anyway. Yeah, I see. I see that now. August August first, twenty twenty three. There's a picture of him, 
at the Georgia State Capitol, standing on a, a flight of stairs, saying, "My first day, August first, twenty twenty-three." Uh, <laughs> I don't understand the joke. You don't understand it's, that this is the year. This is the time of year when everybody posts their first day of school photos. Yeah, yeah, but it's not usually on a printed eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. <laughs> usually, it's usually it's a chalkboard because we have one of those for Reagan, and it's a chalkboard. Reagan starts the second grade and like. I don't know, like next week or something like that. And it says, today's my first day of school. I'm in Miss Whatever's class. Like, <laughs> get a chalkboard and do it over again. Like, I get it. I get it. It's cute. Ha, ha, ha. But, like, well, yeah. I don't know that anybody other than his wife would call Terry England cute. So, I mean, I love him and all, but cute cute was not 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 possible here. I I, I wasn't referring that. to him. I wasn't I wasn't referring to him. Wait, I was... wait, wait. You Buzz Buzz says says this and it is so funny because the original item on the agenda, the way the agenda reads right now is Terry England's first day of school pick. And I had the words written out on the agenda before I sent it saying Terry England's first day of school pick is the cutest and I deleted that. <laughs> because <laughs> because I thought uh, Scott's no fun. <laughs> Scott's no fun. That's 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 all it is. Scott's oh, no listen, fun. Well, this is the problem. Is 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 Jason has such high expectations for everything, including what kind of sign you hold in your first day photo, <laughs> that that he's, he ruins everything. I'm in a house with a seven year old. I know how this is done. Like the Georgia Bull, the Georgia Bulldogs. You, you have one first day of school with a kid, one, and now you're a freaking expert. I love it. I just love it. This is awesome. Well, we also tell me what it's like to have a teenager next. Please give it to me. <laughs> we also had a last day of school picture because, so uh, I was around for that one. But no, I mean it's. I'm, I'm not trying to be. I mean, yeah, I am trying to be a dick. But... <laughs> Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Terry England has his first day of school, and you're over here making comments. Listen, we just wanted to give Terry a shout-out because he's in for a big job. He's now the chief of staff for Speaker of the House Burns. Good luck to you, brother. Good luck to you. That's why it's his first day. This is cool stuff. I mean, this is – It's a great day. Home run run hire by Speaker Burns. In in all seriousness, congratulations. I, I, I'm being the negative Nancy nitpicker of the, of the peach, of peach pun of the podcast. So you guys know how I do. Um, so anyway, I did did um, have to laugh talking to first day pictures. One of my, one of my friends took a picture of himself holding up a sign that said day. I can't remember. You have 3,828 of work. <laughs> uh, that sounds like something Diesel would do. Oh my god! But I mean, by the way, speak, speaking of like your days of work, if you guys haven't done this, you totally should. Uh, the Social Security uh, Administration has a website you can go in and you can see like how much you paid into Social Security over your lifetime. Yeah, it's really depressing to know you'll never get that money. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. But I've done, uh, it, done it. <laughs> yeah, they used I, to send I, out I, paper statements for that, right? They did. That's right. Yeah. They did. But you can go online and look at it now. And uh, yeah, we're all screwed. But you know, it's it's nice that they're at least keeping track of how much money they've forcefully taken away from me. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of for, uh, forcefully taking away uh, things, I have to scroll back up for a second because I was ordered by our our editor in chief to to say something like this. <clears throat> What do Nancy Mace, Andrew Clyde, Hank Johnson, and Sheila Jackson Lee have in common? Guys, anybody want to take a guess? And it's, it's you know, it, it's not that they're all on the same committee because they're not all on, the, all on the same committee. They're all, they're from different parties. They're from different states, except for Andrew Clyde and Hank Johnson, but they're from different parties. So what do they have, some, what do they have in common? Anybody? Well, they're, they're members of Congress. They're members of Congress. Um, they're, they're different races, different genders, different parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I know, I got it, I got it. They believe in the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. Technically, it's the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution of the United <laughs> States. But they are Un- all unlawful close. search and seizures. Fourth it is not. No, it is due process. The uh, these four members: Nancy Mace, Andrew Clyde, Hank Johnson, and Sheila Jackson Lee are all co-sponsors on a piece of legislation called the Fifth Amendment Integrity Registration. Or, excuse me, Restoration Act. The Fifth Amendment Integrity. 
uh, Restoration Act, otherwise known as the FAIR Act. It's H.R. 1525. And Fifth Amendment, because it's all about due process. This is a piece of legislation that deals with civil asset forfeiture. For those of you who are not familiar with civil asset forfeiture, I know we've discussed it sort of briefly on the podcast in in the past. I know we talked about it more in depth a while back. Because we're in, what, year two of the podcast? Something like that? I've, I've mm-hmm. lost track. Um, but uh, Fifth Amendment, excuse me, civil asset forfeiture, the government can, based on the mere suspicion that you are you are connected to a crime or that the property you have is ill-begotten games of a crime, take your property uh, and subject it to permanent seizure, the process of forfeiture. Uh, you don't have to be convicted of a crime. You don't have to be charged with a crime. I mean, don't have to be arrested either um and they just subject it through civil court uh, based on a low evidentiary standard uh the fair act would fundamentally overhaul federal forfeiture law uh it would increase the evidentiary standard from a preponderance of the evidence which is basically a more likely than not evidentiary standard to um to clear and convincing evidence it would eliminate administrative forfeiture it would provide a counsel to indigent individuals who cannot afford counsel of their own and it would get rid of the equitable sharing program which is the uh, program through which a lot of abuse of forfeiture happens at the state and local level um it's a big deal it passed the house judiciary committee some i think in june or july by a vote of 26 to nothing, you had Jim Chairman Jim Jordan and Ranking Member Jerry Nadler who introduced this. These two guys agree on almost nothing. And right. these two members both introed this bill, expressed support for it, and we got a 26 to nothing vote out of uh, out of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, we're still waiting on, on this bill to come to the floor, but there's always the concern because law enforcement loves them some civil asset forfeiture. And the reason is, under current law, they can take 80% of the proceeds through uh, seized property that are done through federal law. So, Scott, I know you have some familiarity with this, or you have a lot of familiarity with this topic as well from your years years in the uh, legislature trying to address this issue. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah, so I'm excited by this. This is super exciting. I, I, it, it, this is the one thing I worked on the most when I was in the legislature in Georgia, was trying to reestablish the concept of innocent until proven guilty, the due process piece, but also the unlawful seizure piece. So I see it as a Fourth and Fifth Amendment thing. Uh, however, that being said, I know what they're up against. Because here in Georgia, the political reality is that every sheriff benefits, their department benefits from using the funds from whatever is seized for their own budgetary reasons and they can use it for virtually anything and there's no restrictions on what they use it for so they have a financial incentive to keep this in place and they use it to augment their budget because a lot of times the police are not properly funded in a lot of these areas especially these small counties and georgia has way too many counties but here's the political reality is that the most popular elected official in every single county in georgia is the georgia sheriff in that county that person will get more votes than any other person in that county and every time they're up for re-election so every state rep can look at their dish at the the precincts that they represent in that county and they can do a side-by-side comparison of how many votes did they get and how many votes did the sheriff get and every single time the sheriff's going to have more votes a legislator in georgia does not want to upset their sheriff for this reason and in a place like a congressional district, you have a lot of counties that you represent. It's not just one. Like, I only had one part of one county, so I only had one sheriff to piss off, right? These folks have to, if they get involved in this and they vote for this, they're cutting off the gravy train, especially the the equitable sharing piece, which we can talk about after Buzz talks. But the reality is that it's a huge political lift for anybody who's elected in Georgia to take this on. And I know there are members of the Georgia legislature who want to take it on. And every time they do, they come to me and I tell them, before you do this, you have to understand what you're getting into. And what you're getting into is a fight with your sheriff. Are you ready for that? If you're ready for that, I will help you. But you have to be willing to stand up because the, the, they will use every possible means to put pressure on you as the most popular person in that county to get you to not reestablish the Fourth Amendment, not reestablish the Fifth Amendment and this concept of innocent until proven guilty. So it's a, it's a major lift. Uh, I hope that all the Georgia members are on board. It's great to see Andrew Clyde and Hank Johnson are working together on something. And I hope the rest of the members can look at their sheriff in the eye and say, 
this is a constitutional responsibility for us to make sure that people are not punished unless they are found guilty by a jury of their peers beforehand. And this is a major step towards that. So I hope the bill passes eventually and that the entire Georgia delegation votes unanimously for it. Buzz, correct me if I'm wrong, you you would have served in the legislature when the Georgia civil asset forfeiture reform, I use the the term in this scenario, reform loosely, because all it did was uniformity in in civil asset forfeiture. (laughs) When did that pass? Back in 2017, 2018? uh, probably 16 14. or 17. 14 or 15. Yeah, well, yeah, was four, it 14? It was 15. It was 15. 15, yeah. 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Yes, I was. My, my, I, I've been told that the, the Georgia Sheriff's Association basically brought sheriffs in from around the state and had them sitting in the gallery, <laughs> and they were, like, looking very intimidatingly down on members of the leg- the house <laughs> when that bill passed. Uh, well, there, there was – okay, there was – there was a previous version of the bill where that's what happened. Wendell that Willard, happened in fourteen, yeah. Yeah, Wendell Willard had the bill that did that, and it it went it was broader and went further than the bill that ended up passing. But yeah, that's true. There were a, quite a number of sheriffs sitting up in the gallery uh, in uniform with their hats on, looking at us, and uh, so that bill uh, didn't go and you know didn't uh, didn't pass. But the next year is is when the bill you're talking about uh, passed, Jason. Um, and since since then, you know, we've operated that. It, my current employer, Georgia Center for Opportunity, we we did a study of it in 2019, describing the whole system, describing equitable share, trying to sift through the reports, and you know, we found a lot of problems. There were, there were in in the implementation of this, there are a lot of counties that just don't report. Now maybe they don't have any seized uh, items that's possible but there's no requirement that they you know there's no double check on that there's nobody overseeing this they just file a report uh, the reports are just really hard to read uh, sometimes they are you know because they're sent in by a spreadsheet to the prosecuting attorney council who turns around scans it in and sends it over in a pdf to the carl vinson institute who sticks it on a website and so some of it's practically unreadable uh, and it contains very little information. There's no way, this is part of the, we issued a number of recommendations. You know, a lot of the recommendations we issued were around reporting. We don't know how often, to Scott's point, we don't know how often somebody might have uh, things seized through civil asset forfeiture and sold um, at auction or whatever, and were never charged with a crime or never convicted of a crime. We just don't know because that data is just not tracked. Now, the, on the equitable sharing, which, which this I guess this bill addresses, and according to our report in 2018, law enforcement agencies in Georgia received 14.5 million dollars uh, worth of funds, and you know, look, a lot of that goes to, and I think this this gets to the the policy question: if we're going to take this money away, and I I agree with the standard that you, you shouldn't be taken until uh, until you're convicted. Uh, then guess what? Local entities, local governments are going to have to step up and pay for the things that we want law enforcement to do. Okay, a lot of this goes to fund drug task, you know, multi-jurisdictional drug task force that go and fight uh, fight against the drug trade and so forth. And if we want law enforcement to continue doing that, well, then we're going to have to fund it. Uh, I think you put a lot of pressure on law enforcement by not giving them the money that they need, demanding that they go out there and do all these things. Uh, but this, I think this ends up being a, a pressure relief valve. Uh, but it's a problem because it's it's seizing stuff from people who, uh, you know, yes, every now and then they are the uh, big-time drug dealers of the world who have big uh, big money sitting in the bank account. A lot of times it's just a guy, a, a stupid guy in a Honda who did something idiotic, and you take his Honda, his old beat-up Honda away, and sell that. So, you know, we, we've got to, this should force us to grapple with what's really going on. I, I remember that that moment in 14, it was my second session, and my own sheriff was in the gallery at the time. He's he's no longer sheriff, but I remember looking up, because I sat right below the gallery, and and so you could feel the energy 
But to really get a sense of it, I had to walk through the, where the speaker was at the front of the room to look back into the gallery and just see hundreds of sheriffs. <laughs> it was the safest spot in the state. There were 70 to 100 sheriffs sitting in the gallery in their uniforms and their wide-brimmed hats. It was, it was, it was definitely meant to be intimidating. But um, you would think a guy like me wouldn't pick up civil asset forfeiture, but I did. Uh, after that and decided uh, uh, two years after we passed the bill in in 15 to really make it the rest of my life's mission. I want to see this fixed. I want to see us reestablish innocent until proven guilty. Once you're, once you're convicted, they can go after your stuff, but not until after that. And that's what we're just, we've put the cart in front of the horse here and and all the incentives have aligned to ignore due process with civil asset forfeiture to the point where I had, I, I think I, in my last session, I tried to address like six or seven different aspects of it with different pieces of legislation. And one of the things I wanted to address was the equitable sharing, because we've seen in other states like New Mexico that have eliminated civil asset forfeiture and replaced it with criminal asset forfeiture, mm-hmm. meaning they get a conviction before where the, the local law enforcement would say, well, we're just going to ignore state law. We're going to say we've done this on behalf of the federal government and then the federal government gives us an equitable share and they get to keep the cash so they did an end around and so i introduced a piece of legislation about equitable sharing it said look unless it's a hundred thousand dollars you don't get a penny of it now for years for years the sheriff's association has been telling me scott we don't do this for the money and they keep telling me it's not about the money, Scott. Why do you? Why do you? Why is it in your head that we do this so that we can have that fourteen million dollars that Buzz mentioned earlier? You should. That's not what we're motivated. We're motivated by enforcing the law. We just want to enforce the law. The money's nice to have, but that's not why we do this. And so I introduced the piece of legislation, and it was a trap. It absolutely was a trap, and it was so I could get to this specific moment. We're in a in a hearing room. It's not a public hearing. It was hosted chairman Fleming of judiciary and he had asked me and the prosecuting attorney's counsel who was uh Danny what's his name from Gwinnett County Porter um, yeah Danny Porter was in there yep. and and it was me and the sheriff who was leading the the uh, sheriff's association that year and so for years they've been telling me Scott it's not about the money we don't do this for the money and I said okay so here's the bill that says you can't engage in the federal equitable sharing program unless it's over $100,000, which means that if it's over that, they get a share of it. But if it's under that, the feds get to keep all of it. They're not allowed to touch a penny of it. And the sheriff actually looks at me and he says, why would I want to help the feds out and spend all the money if I'm not going to get a share of it? And I set it up. It was completely set up. I looked at the sheriff and I said, for years... You guys have been telling me it's about the money, and now you're telling me it's about the money. And he sat back in his chair, and Danny Danny went apeshit on me in that meeting. He's like, this is horse shit. This is horse shit. I, he absolutely went bonkers, bananas on me. And I looked at Danny, and I was like, you need to calm down. I was like, you guys are the ones who told me it's not about the money. But here's the truth. The moment I threatened the money is the moment you guys come clean and say it's about the money. It's about the money. And so here's the, here's the solution. You know, Buzz, Buzz is always looking at, you know, look, I don't want to take something from you unless I'm giving you something, right, Buzz? And, and <laughs> so we have another multi-billion dollar surplus. Another, let's take some money out of that and make sure law enforcement is funded to an appropriate level. And we can also all enjoy the constitutional protections we're supposed to be under from the beginning. Yep. Uh, when I was at FreedomWorks, I did a paper on forfeiture, which I updated in 2019. It's called From High Seas to Highway Robbery. It's still available online. You should go Google it, look it up. You can read about the history of forfeiture, what states have done what. Several states have uh, taken it upon themselves to pass um, comprehensive civil asset forfeiture law. Uh, Buzz mentioned, or excuse me, Scott mentioned New Mexico. Uh, another one's Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Arizona actually, I think, went really far. I think they tied it to a criminal conviction, uh, which you know that's a border state, and here here we are with a good civil asset forfeiture law, uh, one of the best. So, uh, but just a reminder, it's the Fair Act. H.R. 1525. Um, yeah, 
I mean, it's it's a it's a straightforward bill. The uh, primary co-sponsor is Congressman Tim Wahlberg. Uh, please go check it out. Please Google it if you have any questions. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can also email me. Uh, good luck finding my email address. Actually, it's not. It's actually not that hard to find my email address. Um, so, uh, but love to talk to you about it. Love to uh, reach out to you if you're presumably you're from Georgia and you're listening to this podcast. Please write your member uh, of the House and tell them to support this bill uh, because we're going to need a little bit of help to get it uh, through the House once it's available to come up on suspension, which hopefully will not be too long. They're coming back in September, and got to get through our probes, which is looking like the biggest cluster F-word you could possibly imagine. Um, it's it, Guys, we're going to have a government shutdown. That's That much is sure. Um, like, I would put money on it at this point that we're going to have a government shutdown. So got to get through September, but October, we're hoping to see some actual legislating. So, uh, so moving on. What's got? Let me do a live read real quick. Okay. Uh, that because one of my best partners in this, besides Jason Pye when he was at Freedom Works, were our friends over at Americans for Prosperity. Every year that I introduced a piece of legislation on this, they were there to support me because they supported the concept of innocent until proven guilty and protecting your constitutional rights. So our friends, American Pro- for Prosperity, have signed up to be a partner level Patreon here at the Peach Fund at the podcast. And if you go to Georgia pathway.com or americansforprosperity.org either website and then search for georgia you can get connected with americans for prosperity they're unleashing georgia's potential americans for prosperity georgia's pathway to prosperity lays out important steps lawmakers can take to improve the lives of all georgians and make our state a better place to live work and raise a family afp georgia's dedicated activists will encourage their legislators to champion these pivotal policy reforms during the 2020 for legislative session and going forward. So go visit our friends at AFP Georgia and get plugged in with them because they are great and we appreciate them being a partner level Patreon. So the saga of Fonnie Willis continues and and when I say the saga of Fonnie Willis, I mean really the saga of Donald Trump fresh off his third indictment, uh, this one related to January 6th, Fonnie Willis seems poised to finally, finally, uh, present her case to the grand jury and is seeking indictments, presumably for more than a dozen people. Uh, who those people are kind of remains to be seen, but we can imagine that Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani are probably going to be among the top two. Um, so, guys, first of all, first of all, we're seeing, we're finally seeing some movement on this. I missed last week's podcast. Apologies. Uh, I know this was discussed, but. Um, She's she's finally doing this, but she's also under fire at the same time. Uh, we had some some weird claims um, that, yeah this this one I heard this morning on CNN. I was kind of like, what is he insinuating? Uh, but she suggested that, uh, or excuse me, Trump suggested that um, Fonnie Willis uh, has been having an affair with a gang member, which is she <laughs> the, he, the, the leader of a gang, not right. just any gang member, right? And that she, she, he also called Fonnie Willis a racist as well, which I also thought was interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Buzz, uh, what are are you glad this is finally coming to a quote unquote end, and we can finally move on to the prosecutorial stage of this? Yeah, I mean, she she sure has taken her time on this thing, and I don't think anybody can accuse her of rushing to rushing to go after Trump and whoever else she's going to go after. But, uh, I, I, but even still, right. It, it's, it made, you know, everybody thinks it's going to be next week, but she's impaneling grand juries to take testimony next week. So right. it might not, might not be next week. It might be later than that. So it, it's, you know, come on, <laughs> surely she's gathered enough evidence by now. Uh, but yeah, you know, Trump, Trump's, <laughs> Trump's comments, you know, just more idiocy from him. I, he says people are saying, I've never heard anybody say that Fonnie Willis is uh, is having an affair with anybody, much less the leader of a gang, many of whom are being prosecuted here. Yeah. So it's, Scott? Uh, Scott? I, well, it, when, when Trump says people are saying, I, I think... There are sycophants in his inner circle who will tell him anything to keep him happy. Yeah. Right. And 
And that's from years of him being sort of in an ivory tower and really enjoying hearing yes to his ideas and uh, Mr. Trump this, Mr. Trump that, or Mr. President this, Mr. President that. And I think there are probably people in his in his circle who are that level of sycophant who are willing to tell him this type of thing. Oh, Fannie Willis, it must be. And it, it kind of it derives from this 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 case where she was a defense attorney for a gang member before she became prosecutor and that gang member that she defended in court has made some public comments about he doesn't recognize the same person because she he she was a defender of of the accused not the prosecutor of accused and so he has some bitter <laughs> feelings that are out in the public and so somehow those comments became this accusation <laughs> um, uh, circling back to the main point though is how many headlines are we going to have from Fonnie Willis? How well, many more this, news cycles can we fill up with Just Fonnie the beginning, Willis? Scott. This is just the beginning. <laughs> right? It seems like just the beginning was two freaking years ago <laughs> right. to me. Right? That's when she first said, I'm thinking about doing this. And then she tried to time, the, time it with last year's elections, and she got her hand slapped for that. And everything had to be put on pause during the election season by the judge. And now it seems suspiciously timed to be right around the same time as when primary season starts. Like, like okay, she's in a rush to, to get it done right before the election last year for the gubernatorial race. Oh, well, missed that deadline, so we'll just push it until we're right at the presidential preference primary. And how many more times are we going to hear this name in this case on CNN, Fox News, and everywhere else? How many times... Right after an obvious tanning session, is Donald Trump going to get up in front of an audience <laughs> and, in his orange glory, talk crap about a prosecuting attorney like this? Uh, how many times are we going to hear this? Oh, um, Scott, you are you are adorable. Uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 going to be a lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm over it. I'm done. I mean, the the here's the thing. The, I think the thing that sticks the most for Trump is the documents case, right? There, there is clear, there's, there's, you know, Jason likes to use the phrase mens rea. I was recently told by Josh McLaurin, I need to learn, I need to go to law school so I can learn what mens rea means. Um, <laughs> so, so I, that's the one case where you can prove mens rea. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there. He, he had the opportunity to turn them in. He didn't. He's on audio and video bragging about the fact that he has them against you know, the law. So there's, there's all kinds of evidence there for that case. This, this, this idea that uh, he, he somehow broke Georgia law when he thought the election was stolen. And Eric Erickson made this point on his show recently where time and time again, the so-called experts that were feeding Donald Trump information they were wrong. And Eric used this uh, a couple of different examples. He used moving the Israeli embassy out of Tel Aviv and into Jerusalem. And he, he, he was told by the experts, president was told by the experts, this is going to cause a war. And it never happened. You know, and he points to uh, Fauci saying that the, the virus never came from a lab. It was not lab created. And now uh, the atomic energy folks or the Department of Energy who who tracks these things is saying it probably came from a lab, <laughs> probably from China, right? So all these experts, you know, so, so Trump is, can make, legitimately make this claim. There are experts who said the election was not stolen, but th there were people that I was listening to, it, which was of the process that I followed while I was president of the United States. I listened to all kinds of people. And the, a lot of times the so-called experts were wrong, and this is another example of when I thought that they were wrong. He can make that <laughs> argument on this, and I think it gets him off and out of court. I really do. I don't, you, know, I, you may disagree, well, Jason. I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, on it. I would just say it depends on what she charges him with, right? I mean, right. The, 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 the Jack Smith you know, uh, case that he just dropped what, last week, yeah, that, that is all about his state of mind and did he believe yeah. what he was peddling. So I think, yeah, he might be able to demolish that case. Um, but, it, I mean, it, we, go ahead, Jason. We don't know what she's going to charge him with. <laughs> no, so and, and I want to I start with hers before I move into Jack Smith. With her case, now we know there are going to be more, potentially more than a dozen indictments. 
Uh, one thing I think that's going to be really interesting, interesting to see is how many of the fraudulent electors she tries to charge, if any. You know, because, I mean, supposedly they got immunity. I hope so. Because one thing that was really interesting about Jack Smith's, uh, his indictment, and I don't think anybody picked up on this, uh, but he essentially says, like, we all know that they were told in Georgia that they were being these electors to keep Trump's legal options open, or as they explored legal options in the event that a court reversed court case and gave Trump a state, they would be the elect, the the substitute electors. Uh, Jack Smith's indictment essentially backs that up. Uh, I was trying to find the, uh, I was looking through the indictment as, as Scott was talking and I couldn't find the specific paragraph, but he is, he almost verbatim says that. Um, that they were they were blameless, um, so it, it's it's a point worth noting here. Now, as for mens rea and the federal case, I think Fonnie Willis's case is overkill. She's been investigating it longer, as far as we know, uh, but she doesn't have access to the same information that Jack Smith has. Um, with and I think if you're gonna get Trump, the best way to get him would be through federal law. Three of the four statutes, and I looked at them over the weekend, three of the four statutes under which he has been charged do not have a mens rea. They are strict liability. Um, and there's one that requires only corrupt intent. So uh, the other, the one that does have a mens rea says corrupt intent. Uh, so, or it, actually it says corruptly. Um, so I, you know, it's, it, will it boil down to his state of mind? He, Jack Smith says that he Trump had a right to believe and say that the election was stolen from him. He had a right to contest it through uh, through the legal process. He lost every single time, and he had a right. As much as we don't like it, you know, he had a right to have the uh, electors from certain states challenged in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. Uh, that process played itself out. He lost there too. Now, in the process of that, you had an insurrection at the Capitol and an essential attempt at a coup, which is what it was. Uh, that's where Trump is falling into into trouble. It is not that he was saying it's not an abridgment of his free speech. It is not trying to silence him. It's saying that you were engaged in a conspiracy to steal an election from the rightful winner. I swear to God, the projection amongst Republicans is insane. Whenever they complain about something, it's usually their side that's actually done it. <laughs> anyway. Well, if there is one good thing that may come out of the Fonnie Willis is that two of the of the election workers in Fulton County, uh, Ruby Freeman and her mom, whose name... Um, escapes me at the moment, but Tamar Hollerman over at the AJC has a really compelling piece that she published this morning. I'd go read it. The headline of it is harassment of Fulton poll workers would be subject to Trump indictments. And what happened to these women is that they were intimidated. They were, people were knocking on their door, you know, and, and Hollerman tells the story of one specific person who knocked on their door, who thought that they were doing good work because they were sent there by somebody to try to get them to just talk. But it really, in reality, was an intimidation scheme to get them to own up to this alleged crime, which wasn't a crime. You know, the, Rudy Giuliani was out there saying that there were suitcases full of ballots and all this stuff. Yeah, and, should, and all that stuff should, was not true. We should just remind folks, these two ladies are the ones who were in the, in the infamous video that Trump and gazillions of other people said, oh, see, they pulled out this suitcase worth of ballots, uh, it, you know, alleging that it was illegal when it was just the normal process. So, And so there have, been, there have been people who have been subpoenaed around this particular problem. You know, you cannot legally intimidate election workers. They, they are protected from that. And so there may be some laws that are broken that way that will get prosecuted with these indictments. And I would welcome that absolutely think it should happen no i i agree with you and and one of the you mentioned the subpoenas one of the people who's been subpoenaed in this is uh former lieutenant governor jeff duncan uh he was he was subpoenaed uh which uh they mentioned it last night on cnn uh and he will testify uh in the coming days so it's going to be very interesting to see how this all kind of progresses in the next few weeks 
and whether or not <clears throat> whether or not we see an indictment in the Fonnie Willis uh, oh. situation. Let us engage in some wild and unfounded speculation, if we may. That's <laughs> what, what we do best. What is Jeff Duncan going to say to the grand jury? I imagine he's going to say what he said last time he talked to the different grand jury that Fonnie Willis had said, and we don't really know. Uh, we don't know for sure what that was, but I have no. I suppose. Idea. I suppose it's. I su- my guess is it's around. You know Trump's efforts to pressure people to do all sorts of things. Yeah, I have no idea. Right. I think it's. This is my wild speculation. I think it's an opportunity for Fonnie Willis to show the jury that there are even Republicans who thought that this was repugnant, because Jeff cannot talk about Donald Trump without the emotion coming out and how frustrated he is in Donald Trump. And to put him in front of the jury is an opportunity for her to show, look, this is not a partisan thing. This is not something I am not a political hack. Even Jeff Duncan, the sitting lieutenant governor at the time, a Republican, is is out here saying that this is disgusting. Am I am I off base? Uh, I I don't think so. Yeah, that could be. Yep. I don't think I don't think you are. I think I, I don't know of any other Republicans who have been subpoenaed, but I imagine having more than Jeff Duncan uh, is probably the plan. If it's not, it should be. So yeah, that's, that's, well, it just so happens that you know Jeff is still very much in the public eye, so we we know more about the, when somebody receive when somebody in the public eye receives a, a subpoena. It's harder to keep that secret. Yeah, we so don't, you yeah, may yeah be we right. don't know there who else has been subpoenaed. Right. Well, we know one other person. We know George Cheedy was subpoenaed, subpoenaed the local uh, journalist, who was the guy who stumbled upon uh, Schaefer in the alternate oh, yeah, that's right. uh, meeting. So yeah, but he's 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 not exactly a uh, card carrying Republican. No. Uh, no, no, he's not. No, no, he's not. <laughs> he's he's organi- He's an organizer of the Occupy Wall Street or Occupy whatever it was in Atlanta at the time that yep. that whole Occupy thing started. Yep. So, I mean, George we, George is uh, a reasonable guy when you talk to him, but he can also be rather bombastic. If you look at his Twitter stuff, some of the things he's recently said to Kelly Leffler's example could be considered extremely misogynistic. Uh, but there are, you know, there are times when George seems like a completely rational person, and there are other times when he doesn't. So Yeah, I, I saw the tweet in question, and... and as as annoying as I find Kelly Leffler and wishes she never steps in the public eye in terms of elected office again, George's response to that tweet was very inappropriate and very disappointing to see from him, uh, because I have had had nothing but good interactions with George over the years. So yeah, same uh, here. But uh, you know, since we're talking about social media, you know, uh, maybe maybe some of us who even are even adults should get our parents' permission before we can join the social media, but. Uh, that is not the plan, considering we're all of the age of majority. But one state senator in Georgia has proposed legislation or is proposing legislation to get a parent's permission before their child can open a social media account. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one, but uh, Scott, I'll let you take it. You know, I, there's that libertarian part of me is like, keep the government out of this type of thing. But I'm also of this age where I have lived with the Internet in my life for about as long as I lived with it without it in my life. Uh, and, and so I have this perspective of what it was like to grow up without it and what it has meant to me and the value it has brought to me and the heartache it has brought to me as an adult. And I think empowering parents this way is, is completely fine. Uh, I don't. I don't really see a problem. Obviously, the devil's in the details. I haven't read the bill. I could. I could say something negative about the bill later. But the concept of allowing parents to decide what's allowable in their own house on the devices in their house that they're likely paying for, I. I think that's fine. I, you know, you're not of the age of majority. You're not. I mean, what you're when you're 13 years old, do you know how to navigate bullies because on, on the playground and your own school? Because if you can't handle that. It's incredibly magnified. I mean, we have seen teenage suicide rates mm-hmm. related to social media use on the rise, and it's scary. As a parent of teenagers, I don't allow them. They don't realize they can go create it on their own. I've told them, and as a rule in our house, don't do it. 
the fact that they could go create one anyway has always been something I was hoping I would never have to deal with. And thank God, knock on wood, I haven't had to deal with it yet. Uh, but the, the reality is that social media, it may not be the best place for children. Yeah. And, and so empowering parents this way, I think, is completely appropriate. And, and I'm supportive of that concept and hope that Jason Anavitardi, Senator Anavitardi, is successful in his effort. The, the problem with uh, if he hadn't moved to ban TikTok uh, or other apps, uh, he had legislation that had done that as well. Uh, it, this would mean a little bit more to me. Otherwise, it looks like he's trying to get away with what he can get away with. Um, but I, I, you know, anyway, Buzz, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, I think Scott mentioned a lot of things that he that are right on, and I think jo- Jonathan Haidt, a professor at uh, one of the universities in New York, writes a lot about this and warns a lot about this, talks a lot about this, and I've heard him speak uh, publicly. He shows just really dramatic charts that show uh, the attempted suicides and the incidence of depression among kids, mo- uh, especially girls. Girls, uh, it, because he, the way he describes it, and I think he's right, having <laughs> having three daughters... Yeah, boys, when they when they want to uh, embarrass each other, they go and they fight. Uh, but then it's done. It's physical. It's they fight and then it's over. Girls try to destroy each other socially a lot of times, and social media is the perfect place to do that. And so these attempt number of suicide attempts, the attempts at self harm among teenage girls has gone through the roof. It's unbelievable what's happened. You can trace it back on the charts to the birth of social media. And so I, I think, you know, we'll, obviously, as you guys have mentioned, the devil's in the details. We'll see what he's talking about. This bill also would have the backing of the lieutenant governor. Uh, so I think it's going to move. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, if, if he keeps it, a, you know, limited to kids, uh, you know, under the age 18, then then I think uh, I think he's onto something. And th- this that's the kind of day that needs to come out there. This thing is really harmful for kids, especially girls and, uh, you know, Ought to ought to really um, uh, take this opportunity to empower parents uh, on this. Scott? I'll tell you, you, Buzz mentioned something that I don't want to just skim over, and that's Burt Jones' involvement in coming out and supporting Senator Anabatardi as he's done his press release and uh, kickoff for this bill. And, uh, I, I have noticed on senator anavitardi's social media that he seemingly is being drawn closer and closer to an endorsement of tim scott i don't think he's officially gotten there yet but he's attended a lot of scott events he's retweeted a lot of scott tim scott related social media posts and it it, it's it's heartening to me to see burke jones who is who is very much in the in in the team trump camp saying Here's one of my senators who has a great idea, and we're going to dis- differ on the presidential race. Uh, but I'm because the power of the idea is good. I'm going to support my senator's idea in this election year, where things like that can be a wedge. They have been in the past, and for this new crop of leaders to show we can disagree on other things, but on these important things, we're going to come together is it's heartening to me. I, I like it. I, I'd like to see more of that. So before we move into our, our next topic, I do want to know, I just got an interesting email about uh, that Chris Tucker, you remember Chris Tucker from Rush Hour? Yeah. yeah. That he is performing at the Anthem in Washington, D.C. on December 7th. Uh, Chris Tucker, last I heard, lived in the Eagles Landing Country Club down in Stockbridge. Yeah. Yep. So uh, it just I just saw this and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, I Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even know he was still doing things, uh, let alone doing stand-up. Uh, Scott go, uh, goes to a lot of Hawks games. I'll tell you that. Uh, uh, so he's he's the one who goes to Hawks games. Uh, so a few weeks ago, you folks heard me mention the last time I was on the podcast uh, the importance of uh, Alzheimer's uh, research. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, my my aunt uh, dealt with Alzheimer's. Uh, I have a, my grandmother dealt with dementia, but my aunt. Uh, with her Alzheimer's was uh, a very sad experience to witness and it's an incredibly devastating disease Uh, and our anonymous uh, sponsor has uh, urged us all to or urged us to 
uh, promote uh, Alzheimer's research. So please go to ALZ.org. Uh, find out more about Alzheimer's, uh, the symptoms of it, the signs of it, and what you can do to help us uh, defeat this uh, this deadly disease through contributions, research, uh, and so on. So please visit ALZ.org uh, to find out more about Alzheimer's. Uh, I guess we have to talk about Georgia Tech. <laughs> Sold out to the Koreans. Redheaded stepchild of Georgia. Has I mean I can't I can't really say, I own a Hyundai I can't really like both both Emily and I own Hyundai so we really can't say anything, uh, but Georgia Tech in in its effort to remain relevant uh, has has sold the naming rights to uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium. Uh, it is now Bobby Dodd. What is it? it? It's yeah Bobby Dodd Stadium at Hyundai Field. <laughs> Jesus. It, right, so it used to, so it's the oldest. All right, let's 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 lay this out it's the oldest on-field uh, football stadium in america uh that's been continuously used okay it's bobby dodd stadium at historic grant field okay so what's happening is grant is going away and it's going to be yeah bobby dodd stadium at hyundai field uh 55 million dollars it's actually it's actually a little more than that 70 70 million dollars uh, but fifty-five deal with between Georgia Tech and Hyundai, fifty-five million of it for the naming rights that will go to the athletic department, and another, you know, the, the rest of it is going to be in research stuff around um, a lot of it around batteries because that's what that's what this is about. Hyundai is building this plant in Georgia that's going to build electric Hyundai electric vehicles. But but look, I mean, this is uh, you know, I, I saw the snickering from Georgia fans and blah 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 blah, uh, but. You know, oh, poverty school. How do you not be a poverty school anymore? You go out and you find new streams of revenue. And so that's what our athletic director, Jay Bad is doing, finding a new stream of revenue. And you know, with all of the craziness going on, I mean, we could spend a whole show talking about uh, all the craziness going on in, in conference realignment, uh, fueled by the gigantic sums of money that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to get from Fox and, and ESPN. So, you know, look... Georgia fans can snicker and and so forth, but I guarantee you. And if if it's not already in the plans, it'll it will be before too long because the Big Ten is going to get more money in TV revenue than the SEC does. And the moment that uh, you know Ohio State or or Michigan breaks through and wins the national championship, you'll see uh, you'll see calls for how in the heck can Northwestern get more TV revenue than the University of Georgia? This is outrageous. Uh, oh my God! We got. How are we going to survive and compete? And then you'll have. They'll be calling up Kia and asking it, asking for Sanford Stadium to be called uh, Sanford Stadium at Kia Field or something like that. I mean, so, I, I just wonder why Hyundai couldn't have picked a good, good school, like you know, a <laughs> successful program. Like well, the only time you think that, you think at UGA they're going to do any research that's going to help them improve the their car batteries for the EV. Vehicles? I'll answer that, Jason. No, 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 no. They're they're not. But that's that's also not my point. Like. The only time teams that have winning records step into that field, that stadium, is when they Georgia Tech plays another school. Like it, it's also, look, it's all. No, I'm not done yet. Look. It's also the fa- <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 also the fact that like how do you advertise your your products, your especially your electric vehicles, of which I own one, uh, when like the stadium is about three yeah. quarters full. You're have looking you, have, at this look, the wrong way. You're looking at it the wrong way. This is not an advertisement deal. This is a this is a free research deal, right? No, they're, I'm just I'm just screwing with Buzz. That's what the I know. <laughs> they're going to get they're going to look, get more than fifty million dollars of research out of Georgia Tech. Yeah, because they're going to put these these kids to work at slave labor wages, who are, <laughs> who are trying to earn their mechanical engineering degrees. And, no, and, 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 and they're going to and they're going to crack the code for are, the 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 range problem. These electric vehicles. No, who are then going to patent that and make a gazillion dollars that they yeah. can donate to our our So that one day, a well, UGA you still won't grad, be any good. So and so that one day, a UGA grad can tell can can ask the Georgia Tech grad if you'd like fries with that i mean that's <laughs> really what is going to happen here right i have a question i have a different question okay because you said the field was historic grant field it was yeah. it ulysses s grant that no it was named after? of course not no the grant family of atlanta grant park hello 
Yeah, they would. They would have. Na- they would have named it Sherman, I, Sherman Field before they named it Grant Field. <laughs> well, I, that's, I was just curious because you know, it, it, why yeah, are we? It, but, why are we getting rid of history, Buzz? Why are you okay with us renaming look, look, college football things that got are, rid that of history? Be... College football got history a long time ago when when the SEC brought in Missouri. Give me a break, man. That's <laughs> by the way. That was the end of any. Any pretense that college football cares about history, Scott. By the way, I was uh, I was in uh, my my stepsister and her family came up to D.C. recently, and uh, I got them a tour of the Capitol. I went with them, and and the Alexander Hamilton Stephen statue is still, still there. there, still there, still there. I and, and you know what? It was great because when I brought my own kids there, I got to tell them about my connection to even though it's so slight, so small in the great history of this country. But my connection to that statue through you, Pi, because it was your idea to get, you know, you called me up and said you should drop legislation to do this, and I did, to to remove that statue and replace it with anyone else, frankly. Anyone. There are, there are literally hundreds of Georgians who have lived lives that are that are deserving of that place of honor. And so I got to explain the, the, this existence of the statue in this place and in, in, in Statuary Hall at the U.S. Capitol to my kids and the, the tour guide, who is, was a very new congressional staffer who had never heard the story that way. And also that my own congressman, the man that, that the tour guide worked for, was with me on this. Like he, he, he completely bought in. When I, when I was out there taking arrows, my own congressman, Barry Loudermilk, joined me in that fight and said, you know what, it's absolutely something that we should do because there are Georgians who are, are more deserving of this honor. Speak, so you mentioned that, that staffer. So he is actually the same staffer who gave my stepsister and her family and me the tour. I've been on that tour a dozen times. It doesn't matter to me much at this point. But I mentioned the statue, and he said, yeah, you know, the guy who introduced legislation resolution in Georgia to get rid of it came through – uh, uh, a f- you know, a couple years ago or so, or, uh, not years ago, but recently, it was recently, weeks. It was within weeks. Yeah, recently. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I said, "Oh yeah, Scott Turner." I was like, "I'm the one who gave him the idea." <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> you did. So, yeah. uh, which I never got credit for in the Atlanta Journal Constitution, but you know, whatever. Uh, I had some... you do on, but you're getting credit on Peach Pond at the podcast. And, and, and which matters more to you, Jason? Uh, what people listen to or read more. Oh, well, that's not fair. Womp womp. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Scott, I thought of you the other day. I was watching a debate, uh, and I don't remember who the uh, counter person was, but it was a debate between an atheist and uh, a theist, uh, a Christian, evangelical Christian. Uh, Bart Ehrman is the, was the atheist, and I have a few of his books and so on. Uh, but the debate was held at Kennesaw State University, uh, which I was like, oh, Go that's Scott School. So, yeah, go else. Uh, this folks. is why this is why I, get, I take shots at both of you because I'm the little guy, <laughs> and you guys are the big powerhouses. Well, at least UGA is the big powerhouse. We won't, I won't give tech that hey. level. I, I, come on, You're, you guys. When it comes to football, we're, I, we're, no, you, we're, you guys are slowly becoming St. Mary's School of the Blind and Deaf. <laughs> Listen, man, not right, with fifty right, million right. dollars. Right now, yes. Right now, we've got the number 20, depending on which one you look at, a top 25 class coming in next year. We're going to go to a bowl game this year. And we'll and place 50th somehow. Yeah, you'll, you'll somehow win. You might win six. <laughs> you guys will you inter- guys, be in a bowl game at, with a record of six and five. With a, with a heck of a lot tougher uh, schedule than the mighty Georgia Bulldogs are playing right now. Oh, we that's were some, not... We, that's we, not at all untrue, Jason. He's so, yeah. so, But our schedule wasn't originally like that. Oklahoma was how we were supposed to open wow. our season. Oklahoma, Oklahoma was how we were supposed to begin our season. And did you hear? Did you hear all the crying from Georgia fans when they announced the schedule next year? When oh my god, oh no, we got to play Alabama. Oh my god, it's yeah. so tough. Why are they being so mean to us? You know, we we got to play. How Al- are we going to survive? We have to play Alabama and Clemson. Uh, yeah, and, we play Clemson every year. Yeah, do you we play, play Al- you guys every year? Do you play Alabama and Clemson every year? We used to. Okay, well, that's neither here nor there. We play. We play <laughs> these days. We play Alabama about as often as you guys do you know, yeah. in the regular season. Yeah, but uh, it's it's next year's going to be a tough a tough year. Oh but, boy, yeah, Kentucky, but, Missouri. Oh gosh, God, what a tough schedule. But South this Carolina, year, this year we were supposed to begin at Oklahoma, and the SEC took that game away from us. You dick. Wow. Um, so Ooh-hoo. anyway. 
Uh, we've reached that stage of the podcast where we ask you to go to patreon.com slash peach funded, uh, where you can sign up for one of the four tiers of the pod- of sponsorship of the podcast and help us uh, basically keep the trains running. Uh, this podcast does cost us money. Uh, it is something that we are we love to do. I as well. I don't so much love seeing Bot, Buzz and Scott every week, but I, I <laughs> you know, by agreeing to do this podcast, I've had to. So, if you want to continue to torture me, and also if you want to see me wear the Bucky's onesie, which I did put on the other day, there's a picture of it on my Instagram because Reagan has one too. Uh, uh, you know, if we get some some ten dollar level sponsorships in, I will wear the Bucky's onesie. Uh, uh, live on the podcast, so you can come on and, and watch and point and laugh. So go to oh, patreon.com slash peach funded. If for anybody who joins at the $10 level in this coming week to make that happen, I will chip in an extra $10 of my own money per person to keep it from happening. So you don't, so you can still, <laughs> it's an insurance policy. It's, nobody wants to see that. It's just, nobody it's a Bucky's onesie. It's not, it's, it's, like I could put the hood up. Oops, I just hit my mic. I could put the hood up and have little Bucky face and ears and stuff. I don't mind it. So, but I'm not going to do it without an incentive. So you fools need to go on Patreon.com/slash/PeachFundIt and subscribe. So worst, worst uh, subscription pitch ever. I, I, yeah, fair, fair enough. We're going to get nobody to join now. Uh, join in spite of that, please. Pe- people are canceling right now. Yeah, oh, don't to, cancel for don't, fear. Oh, shit, we're running very thin margins. Don't cancel. Listen, we got to thank the people who rock, who are our Patreons. These are the people who do reach in their pocket. So thank you to Benjamin Hurst, Reed Powell, Hunter Burnett, Andy Allen, Mike Buchert, Ron Daniels, Ari Schaefer, Stuart Wilkinson, Ryan Graham, Sam Thomas, Colin Martin, Rob Lee. Tony West, Shannon Ferguson, Bo Brandon, Andy Smith, John Vestal, Bill Workheiser, and of course, our anonymous contributor. You can also remain anonymous if you'd like. We've never spilled the beans on who that person is out there. We won't for you either. So please go and sign up at Peach Pundit. I'm sorry, patreon.com slash Peach Pundit. Also, the very least you can do is hit the like button on this episode and, and on the podcast in general. Let uh, people other people know that you you enjoy us and share this with your friends like and subscribe thanks folks have a good rest of your week have a good weekend we'll see you next week and go dogs screw jackets screw tech (laughs) go owls